Be the best coach you can be. Welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast. I'm the head coach, Dave Clark, bringing you hints and tips from the soccer community. I'm delighted to have as my guest on the podcast today, Ian Barker, all the way from Kansas City in America. He's the Director of Education for United Soccer Coaches. Okay. Hi, Ian. It's uh, really great to have you here on the uh, podcast this week. I know it's a really busy time for you with the convention coming up. Um, but I also know that you've just been uh, up to, up in Edinburgh, haven't you, with the uh, SFA? Absolutely. So we were at uh, uh, Heriot Watt University um, in the Orion Complex, which is where the SFA do a lot of their coaching education programs. And we took, uh, there were 22 of us candidates uh, 21 were American-based, one was uh, based in India, and we in four days took the uh, CFA C license, which uh, upon successful completion allows all of these American coaches to go back to Scotland at some point and do the UEFA B with Scotland. Oh wow, yeah, that's re- that's uh, that's really good. So, um, what is it? You know, what will the US coaches? What will they get out of it? Is that just basically for their learning? Is it just just advancing their learning? Yeah, so it's a a great question because um, even in in this country, UEFA badges, especially the B and the A, are understood to be the gold standard of coaching education awards. All of the coaches that we took, with one exception, were very experienced with um, educational programs that I run or United uh, US Soccer runs. Um, However, when they apply for the UEFA B, it's very difficult for Greg Patterson and his staff to work out what their standard is. So we thought the best way to sort of answer those questions was let's make a modest commitment of time and energy to go to Scotland. We took in a couple of pro games, did some soccer tourism, did the four-day course. And now when these guys go to apply to do their UA for B, Greg is completely comfortable about accepting or denying them because he knows exactly what he's getting. So this was a really nice way of helping the SFA with their screening And it was a really nice way of helping our American coaches um, confirm that they were of the standard necessary before they invested the time and money on a UEFA B. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's really good. So um, when do you, uh, when do you, when would they get the chance to go over and do their B then? Will that be next year sometime? Yeah. So the, the, the next B they offer is in May. Um, And if they uh, successfully complete the C license, I actually just received the grade. So I, I know who did. Um, they can, they're eligible for the B. But one of the things we talked to them about at the end of the course was you might have met the minimum standard to have the C, but we wouldn't necessarily recommend you go to the B. So when they apply for the B, Greg and his staff will have data on them to better advise them of what they should do next. Oh wow! Yeah, that's great because um, I know I know you know I know how how much work you uh, you know as director of coach education with United Soccer Coaches. I know how much work you put into um, the the education side of it. Um, what what the other thing is you know with you being over in Scotland and 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 with with the interest in the MLS, we've we've kind of really got into the MLS over here because David Beckham has finally set up his team. Um, do you do you uh, think that Beckham will bring uh, more uh, pizzazz to the MLS? Well, I think um, Beckham deserves a ton of credit for his work as a player. So when he came over to play for the LA Galaxy. He was a a genuine megastar 
and he carried himself like a genuine megastar and he really hoped helped to develop uh, the league. So some of the players that came before and after him have not been as um, willing to become ambassadors for the league as well. So when I think of great players like Gerard and Lampard, um, very minimal impact in terms of really taking the league to another level. But David Beckham certainly did that as a player. Um, in our country or in America right now, it's a little bit quiet because he's been really struggling to get the stadium permission to build the stadium. So the MLS was pretty keen to bring Beckham's franchise into Miami, but then Beckham and his um, colleagues were really struggling to find that venue. Now they're fully fledged. Um, we will see more of him, I think, in the media. Um, when they televise the games, obviously we'll see more presence of him. And I actually think in our case in, in the States, it'll be the, the second iteration of David Beckham being an ambassador for the league because he certainly was that as a player. Oh wow, that that that's brilliant, and then, you know, and certainly over here we, uh, you know, we're all watching what he gets up to and 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 what he does because he was such a a superstar over here. Um, but but what what that also will do is it will it'll encourage um more coaches to 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 look over to America and see if they can come over and get um get work there. But it must be quite difficult for um. UK coaches to go over and get work at, at, you know, in the top end. I assume that there, there may be a lot of work, say, in, in colleges, but um, it, is, there gonna, is there going to be an opportunity for people to follow David Beckham out there? Well, so Beckham's very much in the ownership side of things now. Um, there are examples of British coaches who've, who are in or have been in the league. So I think of way back when people like Mo Johnston, um, currently Adrian Heath, ex of Everton, is managing... Um, Minnesota United, um, Owen Coyle was over here for a while managing Houston. Um, but much like playing, I think sometimes a manager from Great Britain with a ton of experience can underestimate um, the unique challenges of this league. And certainly players come and underestimate the unique challenges of this league. Um, some of those uh, challenges could be, for example, on the manager side, salary caps. Um, so, there's quite a lot of restrictions about how you can acquire players and move players on. Um, on both the playing and managing side, um, you know, you could be coaching in Los Angeles and then you've got a three and a half hour, four hour flight to New England. You've yeah. got a, a three, you've got a three hour time difference plus the four hours of the flight and the climate could be, you know, um, in our, and we do Fahrenheit. So it could be, you could go from high eighties, nineties to, uh, negative temperature. So, you know, it's it's this is not a league to be underestimated because it's yeah. unique, I would argue, to pretty much any other league in the world. Yeah, yeah, and that would be. I mean, I mean, and we wouldn't be going through temperatures like that in the UK. And certainly, um, I know that uh, well, you know that coaches, if they did go out there, it would it would, as you say, be a a huge uh, change for them. Um, but, yeah. um, you know, that kind of brings us neatly into the convention because, you know, what, we've got 10, 12,000 coaches who who will turn up to the convention. I mean, I assume these are the ones who uh, who are embracing learning and who want to go there because it's not just it's not just sessions they go to see, is it? They'll be going out for for different different ideas and different um, w things to learn. Yeah. From the soccer coaches point of view, the convention, I would argue the biggest value of the convention is the networking the camaraderie and, and five days of immersion with 
pretty much like-minded people that maybe you can't connect with during your season because you're too busy doing your season. So um, we'll have 11 to 12,000 people come through. Um, the education part is my favorite and probably the strongest. Um, we'll have awards and rankings. Uh, we'll have the uh, professional draft on the women's side. Um, and then obviously we have the big exhibitor show. So there's a lot for people, but in the, in the pure soccer coach space, it's field sessions, classroom sessions, and then every 20 minutes between sessions um, for a number of hours later on after the sessions are done, being in a coffee house or a bar, it's the networking and sharing and, and feeling a little bit less lonely than you do during your competitive season. Oh, sure, yeah. And I'm, I mean, I've I've experienced um, that, you know, be, being, out, being out there, I've been to... Uh, you know, year after year to the convention because it is such a brilliant place to uh, meet with other coaches and find out what's going on. But one one thing, um, I guess, uh, is it is you have a break, don't you? Whereas in our youth coaching, we will only get uh, say like one week break. But but there there is a break, isn't there, in January for your coaches? Yeah, um, it's uh, it's a difficult it's a difficult question to answer because, for example, <laughs> yeah. halfway uh, some of the country is playing high school soccer right now. So, for example, my colleagues in Texas, the high school coaches can't come to convention because they're right in the middle of their season. But in that January, December period, partly because of climate, partly because of the holidays um, and also schedules, for example, all of our college coaches are available. Um, our professional coaches are right about to start their preseason. So they're just they have this tiny window of availability. And then the majority of youth coaches will be shut down in that uh, January period, just because in half the country of climate and in the other half of the country because of school holidays. So um, I don't know for us if there would ever be a better window than the uh, first or second full week of January. Yeah, no, no. I, I Yeah, I, I get that. Um, you know, we were, we're, can I just go back to the, you, you were talking about UA for A and UA for B. Um, how, how are the coaches that come to to the convention that are you know from the states? How is coaching actually structured there? Will these be top end coaches who turn up, or will they be coaches from all different um, levels? Well, I think um, one of the uh, one of the barriers or one of the challenges to consider convention is is obviously the expense of it. So I think registration comes in at about four hundred dollars, which I think is an excellent value for what you get. But we're in big convention cities, so you have potentially hotel, room and board and things like that. So that does tend to make it an event for people who are compensated or, or partly or fully compensated to be a coach. And that can include grassroots coaches, high school, college and pro. Um, when we're in uh, areas of deep um, uh, population density, so we're going to be in Baltimore, um, a lot of coaches that are not full-time uh, not even part-time, but maybe grassroots amateur, they can get to convention too because we're quite a, cl a close drive from a number of major cities and people can come in and then go home in the evenings if they want to. So I, I would say that um, when, I look at, when I look at levels within Great Britain, um, that Professional Football Coaches Association, the tier just below the LMA, that is sort of a very good target type audience for us. Oh, right. Brilliant. Yeah, because um, I, I mean, I've been, you know, because I say I've been out there quite a few times and, and I saw I watched you last uh, year. You were doing uh, like a Rondo field session. What what are your plans in uh, to do? Have, oh, well, have have you sorted out what which sessions you're going to do um, this yeah. year? So, so thank you for the question. So for those that um, are a little unfamiliar with the convention, 
we have two, uh, maybe th third of a side fields indoors on turf with big grandstands. So um, it's quite a daunting place to present. You get an hour to do a presentation. And the very first presentation of the week is always done by itself. And it's done by me or the person that holds my position. And it could have maybe 2,000 2, people there. Um, so it's a bit stressful because I get kids I've never met before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I am not, uh, I'm not like Dick Bate. I can't go out and make a session work with two mannequins, one flat soccer ball and two players and entertain an audience with content for an hour. I can't do that. So yeah. um, I tend to shoot at the middle. Um, and this year I thought I would do everything to two big goals. So lots of examples of soccer balls hitting the back of the net, hopefully, just as kind of an energizer. And so it was going to be sort of finishing and scoring ideas within a small-sided game. Um, I just thought that would be a nice way to kind of, uh, instead of something too esoteric, something kind of just busy. And what will happen is um, the majority of people will come up to me and say, thank you, I enjoyed it. I took something out of it. A couple of people will shake their head at me and say it was the worst thing they ever saw. <laughs> and, and a couple will come and say it's the best thing they've ever saw. Um, and, and that's just that's just the nature of the beast because everybody's an expert. Um, it's certainly the case in Great Britain. So they're quite uh, in uh, the US, excuse me. So they're quite happy to come up and tell you what they thought of it, even if they coach under sixes and they've been doing it for two weeks. They'll come and tell me. Sure. Yeah. No. I. I yeah. I mean, I experienced that uh, over here, where uh, coaches will w always re reckon that they can probably uh, put on a better session than uh, than the one you've just put on. No. I, I've always taken. You know. I've always taken copious notes from uh, the 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 field sessions. Or will Will you have um, futsal as well? Because that you last year was it the um, you had the um, the head coach of Argentina, I think, which. Uh, who put on some really good sessions? Yeah, so we uh, <coughs> excuse me. We um, <clears throat> will have a futsal court, a small one, um, and there'll be uh, futsal type content because futsal in this country, because of our climate, is often used as a as a pretty standard uh, training protocol in the off season for kids. It's not; it is a distinct sport unto itself, like it would be in Europe, but it's actually something that a lot of our uh, regular 11 inside field players do um, in their off season. So there's quite a lot of interest in futsal, um, weighted soccer balls, the smaller soccer balls, because a lot of people, especially in, in poor climates, are training on parquet basketball floors. And so futsal is a natural for them. Um, and so, yeah, futsal remains a, a very popular piece of what we do. All right, yeah, because I know there'll be a lot of interest from uh, the coaches from here that go over because um, it, it ha it's not – Obviously, it's just it's much smaller than it that would be over in in the states, but it, you know it's really taking off. So um, uh, yeah, I, th I think that'll be a, re a real plus uh, at the convention. And mm -hmm. the one thing, one thing, Ian, I've always really wanted to go on, but I never have, have had time because there's always so much happening and so much to do. Or the diploma trails, um, I've I've actually um, presented on one of the diploma trails, but I've never had the uh, the time to actually go and follow the. The, the trails can you can you just explain how that works yeah so one of the things that um really works in our country is that um people like continuing education they like credit for their continuing education and in some cases especially high school teachers um they can get professional development credit for their teaching profession and they can get some of their costs uh, reimbursed from their schools so what we do within the convention is we identify, let's say, for example, eight uh, sessions which we put together with a, a certain degree of intentionality 
and we say these are advanced technical training sessions. So those eight are going to be pretty much one kid or two kids to a ball. It's going to be tiny, technical, fiddly stuff. And then what we say to the coaches is, if you attend six out of eight, and you can choose which six out of those eight you attend, we'll give you a credit, a diploma that says you have attended those and observed them. And that goes on your permanent transcript that we keep along with your formal badges and anything else you do. Um, So it gives that coach a chance to, with intentionality, go and load up on a certain type of content that he or she wants. Um, Goalkeeping is an obvious one. So we'll put on, you know, half a dozen. Uh, Tim Detmer from the uh, English FA is going to be doing sessions. Um, So the coaches go to six out of eight and they get their little goalkeeper um, sort of uh, special topics diploma. I, I don't think, and uh, again, I can't find anyone else that uh, does that, uh, you know, in that, that, that uh, over the, you know, the space of the three or four days that uh, people are there. So it's like an, it's almost like an intense course, isn't it? It's like when you go on a driving test and you take an intense week of lessons. So, you, but I, I think it really works well because I, I know um, that, you know, there's so many people are so keen when, once they're there that, the learning thing is just huge. And normally when, you know, you've sat there for a whole day on a course or something and your brain is totally, it's totally full of all these ideas. I think over the course of the days, it's fantastic because you get so many different, uh, 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 you know, experienced people and non-experienced and so many different views when you go on these, um, on these diploma uh, trails. So, yeah, you know, I think that that's one of the huge, uh, pluses from from the convention and i think i'm going to try because this year i'm not actually going to be um doing a, a lecture but um what I'll, i'm going to try and do one of the diploma trails so i'll uh, i'll be i'll be genning up on them too uh, and I'll, I'll come and uh, bend, bend your ear when i get over there and uh, find out which which one you think is the best sure um and um, well, we're, you know, we're, we're seeing um, at the moment, you know, obviously the Premier League is one of the focuses for, for both our America and uh, Great Britain. Um, we're seeing play, so many different styles in the Premier League. Um, what, one, of the, one of the styles, though, is that the, the, every single team seems to play out from the back. Um, will you be taught, will, will there be sessions over there for people who, who are looking for a certain tactics? Um, yeah, so... It's, uh, it's actually really interesting, um, and I'll just share a quick story with you. When I was with the SFA last week, um, before we started the C course, I attended their masterclass midfield course, which is a CPD for their UEFA Pro A and B. And Paul Scholes, Darren Fletcher, and Scott Brown were the three presenters. It was All fantastic. Right. And what was really interesting was when you asked these players, former players, uh, current in Scott's case, um, about their playing, they talked a lot about technique, they talked a lot about physical and mental, but they didn't really talk about tactics. They didn't express a ton of interest in tactics. So I think um, when we become coaches, we get very obsessed with X's and O's, and we forget that players are really concerned about their individual performance. Can they do it technically? Do they have the right physical conditioning, and are they mentally in tune? So I'm actually having a little bit of a personal backlash against over tactics Um, that said I've done a couple of podcasts and radio shows recently because we have not put in the new uh, rules so we don't have um, playing inside your own 18 yet off a goal kick that that didn't come in because MLS was already started Um, we haven't we haven't put in the rules about drop balls and uh, building walls and things like that so we're seeing lots of examples of 
um, clubs that succeed in playing out the back or clubs like, uh, unfortunately, Arsenal that seem to fail playing out the back. Um, we're seeing a lot of that, but we haven't actually put it into our game here yet. Um, so I think that that those topics will be very big in January because it's everybody's going to be getting ready to to potentially take advantage of those rule changes. Oh yeah, no, great. Yeah, I, I to- totally uh, could see where they're coming from. Within, indiv- I mean, individual skills are so important, aren't they? Because you you know you see players uh, that they that that they have to focus on different areas of the game, and I think when they focus on the individual, it it does put together a a, a way better package. Um, um, on on on, um, on the the back end of that, um, I, I think what, one of the things that I've always seen uh, loads and loads of coaches ago are, are to the psychology um, sessions that are, are at the convention because they've they've always had uh, a, a, it's always been a big side of the game, hasn't it? And and I think it grow it's growing more and more as people realise that uh, the psychology is is so so important and players don't really talk about. Uh, Problems they have, or or or, or thing or problems they have with the coach, or things like that. Is is that a, an important part? Do you think? Yeah, I think um, I think the psychology pieces are really interesting for for all coaches. I think grassroots coaches like it equally. Um, I worry a little bit because people that um, purport to be sports psychologists um, come in many shapes and sizes. Some of them are completely unqualified, but are fantastic storytellers. Some are very, very qualified, but don't give you anything you can apply. So I quite like those um, sport, the people that work in the motivation, sports psychology, mental skills, that um, one, have the academic background. Um, they've, you know, they've trained in it. Maybe they're licensed. They've been qualified, but then have been in an applied, uh, an applied situation. So they've been with clubs. They've been in youth academies. For me, those are the people to seek out. Um, so I, I, I think there's quite a spectrum in that particular field, and I think it's one that is a little bit open to abuse because um, if you hire me as a sports psychologist for your team in the preseason, and at the end of the season you win the championship, I will tell everybody that you did what I told you to, and that's why you won the championship. <laughs> yeah. Of course, if yeah. you lose, I'll be the sports psychologist that says they didn't do what I told you to. So, with, and I have a ton of friends who are really excellent in this field and I enjoy their work and, and it's something I'm really interested in. But I think as right. um, consumers, we need, to be, um, we need to be discerning that we're not getting sold, um, sold a bill of goods, you know. Yeah. Oh no. That. Yeah. I. I uh, yeah. I can see that. But. But. Yeah. Like you say, they. Uh, there's always a comeback, isn't there? If uh, when teams lose, <laughs> always a comeback from from everyone involved. Okay. That this is brilliant. But the the um the last thing I need to ask you, Ian, is I've I saw today my on my Twitter feed, um there was four or five people talking about um a guy who, tra- who transferred from the USLC a USLC team to the to the MLS with Real Salt Lake and so they they were talking about how this was amazing because it 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 never happens normally and um, is that like someone going from league 1 or is it like to to, to the premier league or yeah it's so we have um we have a so we don't have promotion and relegation which obviously um is a is an issue in our country but typically um, we have this second division, uh, which can't ever get into the first division uh, by, releg- by, by competitive means. It could ultimately if they get a franchise and they pay the money. Um, so USL, and there are a couple of tiers, so it's actually we're starting to get a bit of a pyramid uh, structure, um, which is great. Um, 
but those clubs that you don't see a lot of players making the transition up and down. Um, they typically sign with their MLS clubs and then they end up in USL on the way out. USL does have some second teams in there. And so those players are making the movement back and forth because they're part of the professional club. But for, um, for a professional club in the MLS to go and buy somebody from the second division uh, because they haven't been able to acquire them before, that is really quite unique, yeah. All right, that's brilliant. Well, that's great Great to see that, that happening, I guess. Anyway, Ian, it's been brilliant talking to you and I'm really, really looking forward to coming uh, over to Baltimore um, in January. Um, I'm sure you've got uh, lots and lots to do to get prepared for that and, uh, and, and it, I'm sure that your time is, uh, is pretty precious at the moment. So thank you very much for um, doing this. No, and you're very uh, welcome. I, look forward, I look forward to seeing you. Okay, thanks, David. I appreciate it. Ian Barker is Director of Education for the United Soccer Coaches. If you want to attend the Baltimore Convention in January, it runs from the 15th to the 19th. and It's in the Baltimore Convention Centre. If you want any more information about uh, coaching youth players, advice or activities, head over to soccercoachweekly.net.